Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. You've reached the Locked On NFL podcast. A little bit of a change of plans. I told you Wednesdays are mostly going to be draft days. That is not what we're doing today. Um, I do have a very good uh, guy lined up for next Wednesday to talk draft with. I look forward to that. I'll tell you more about that next week. But I realized that I hadn't talked about, with all this craziness to the Super Bowl, I haven't been up to date on the Hall of Famers, which is one of my favorite topics, um, the awards, MVPs, and those type of things, and there's been some coaching moves and some releases and things like that around the league, so we got plenty to talk about here on a Wednesday. I think tomorrow's going to be Twitter Thursday, Twitter Thursday, and uh, Friday, as of now, might go back to, or really kind of begin, the off-season break at, breakdowns of maybe I'll just count down from 30 to 1. We already did the Packers 32 to 1 and talk about New England's off-season if I were their GM sort of, you know, so to speak. But uh Cal Shanahan is now officially San Francisco's head coach. That's no shocking news. He's not going to hire an offensive coordinator. So Shanny is in San Franny. That's that's rough, Matt. Come on, dude. But that's not big news. I mean, him and Lynch are going to try to, you know, rebuild this team, and that's a very much an uphill climb. I was in, I was on the radio in San Francisco yesterday. I think that podcast is on my uh, timeline, talking some Niners, some Super Bowl, some all the above. Um, but I think what's interesting here, just to chat about, is not only did they lose Shanahan, but the Falcons also got rid of a couple defense, you know, their defensive coordinator and their defensive line coach, Brian Cox. And they also are going to lose their quarterback coach. So, you know, they uh, there's going to be changes. And they're going to hire Scarsesian. I always say his name wrong. I think it's close, but I always quite just mix it just a little. After, which is crazy, after coaching one game in Alabama. He coached the national championship game in Alabama. But here's his history is this, I think, is very much a... Quinn, Seahawks, Pete Carroll connection, USC together. Uh, Scarsheason was considered a big-time up-and-coming young coach. Um, Pro-style system at the college level. He got in some trouble off the field with alcohol-related things and apparently has cleaned things up and is trustworthy and people are, you know, obviously Nick Saban vouches for him, was going to hire him as his offense coordinator. Actually did hire him as the offense coordinator. And now he's coming to the Falcons. So more coaching changes there than we expected. But by all indications, they're going to keep the Shanahan offense, the zone-based offense. Scarsesian's known as a big play-action guy. That's exactly what they did. You know, that, that was a huge portion of what Atlanta did. So I think it's going to be more... Of course, he's going to put his stamp on things. But it's going to be more coach adapting to current system than 
coach coming in and changing current system, if that makes any sense. I think it does. So that seems like a logical hire, but you know, you, as well as that side of the ball played, you don't want a ton of change. I apologize. I pause from time to time. I'm sniffly today, and it's just I have sinus issues overall. And the weather here in Pittsburgh is so weird. It's been it was 60 degrees yesterday. I mean, it's early February. It was 60 degrees yesterday. Now it's getting a little chilly, and uh, allergies are an issue. And never mind. You, you don't care that much. But anyways, I'm a little sniffly. I think I'll survive. Uh, a couple people got released, and these aren't surprising, you know, big big news. But this is tis the season for releasing your quote dead weight. You know, the guys that a lot of us know are going to be gone. Um, get them off your cap is, is really the whole, you know, the, the whole reason for this is they're no longer worth what you're paying them or what their cap hit is. The Packers released Sam Shields. Uh, they also released. Uh, what's his face? The running back, James Starks. Neither of these are surprising. Um, Shields, you know, I think there was a guy they counted on heavy, and corner was a huge problem for them this year. But they're going to have to bring in somebody. I mean, I think if the Packers, this goes back to that show we did when we reviewed the Packers. I said both these guys will be released. Um, I urge you to check that out, by the way. It was right after the NFC Championship game. If you want to a rundown, go find the feed of Locked on NFL. It was, if I was Packers GM for a whole show, 20 minutes, half an hour. Um, but I think the one position Green Bay might uncharacteristically go get a free agent from another team, an older dude, is corner. Um, the Eagles had mentioned they want Jason Peters to take a pay cut, which makes you think maybe he's on the chopping block. I didn't quite see that one coming, but we'll see how that plans out. Um, McCown is released. You know, that that's not big news either. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, you know, but there are a few of these guys that are you know, prominent dudes. Traymond Williams also is another Brown that was released, another corner that's overpriced, former Packer. Just going to mention them as they happen, you know, because this shouldn't shock anybody out there, but new, no, you know, newsworthy. These are guys who have played a lot of snaps in this league, so the fact that they're no longer with their current team is something to talk about. Um, we are, I want to talk about the awards as well, you know, all the, the awards that they give out. And for the most part, I don't have any qualms with them. going to take a personal note. The, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award went to Eli Manning and Larry Fitzgerald. So congratulations to those two. Um, by all accounts, Eli's a great person and never misses a game and stand-up dude and Manning passing camp and obviously all the lineage of his family and, you know, wonderful things that he, he has done. But I know Larry well, and I'm just happy for him because as his reputation precedes him, he is a great person as well as a fantastic player. I was glad to see the the national recognition of that. That's good stuff. Um, MVP award went to Matt Ryan. We'll just go over these quick because I think you guys know them by now, and they're not you know super shocking. I gotta say, I was kind of torn. I really thought it was a three horse race between Brady Rogers. Ryan, and you got to remember these awards only matter in the regular season. So nothing, you know, you you could be sitting there going, "How can you not take Brady?" Well, the 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 ballots were cast before the playoffs even started. So uh, I really thought they were dead dead set equal. The three of them, um, whoever fourth would be a distant fourth. Um, but I think the thing that, that Ryan had going for him most was lack of negatives. You know, like if you're if you're writing the positives and negatives, Brady missed four games, Rogers started the season slow, 
what are the negatives on Matt Ryan's regular season this year? I mean, none. <laughs> so uh, I'm cool with that. He also gets Offensive Player of the Year, which is dumb. It's, that should be like, that award should be Offensive Player of the Year that's not a quarterback. Or they, they should do something different about that. Like that should go to David Johnson or, you know, whatever. Defensive Player of the Year was Khalil Mack. Uh, when that came across, it didn't really move the needle for me. I kind of thought, mm, okay, yeah, um, I, I think it's easy to forget that he started the season slightly slow. I mean, the first month or so, he wasn't a superstar. Uh, he was actually my preseason prediction for Defensive Player of the Year. And Drew Brees is my offensive one, actually. He had a bad year. Um, so I'm cool with Mac. Don't get me wrong. I think he just narrowly edged out Vaughn Miller. I think Miller is every bit as deserving. That's a coin flip between those two. I knew he wouldn't win it, and this isn't my pit bias, but Aaron Donald, to me, is the best offensive player on the planet and had the best year, but he's a Ram and he's a defensive tackle and you're not going to win it that way. But uh, that would have been my vote without hesitation, especially now with, you know, JJ sideline. I think that Aaron Donald is the best defensive player on the planet. Um, defensive rookie of the year to me was a very easy one. Despite missing time, Joey Bosa is a phenomenal player. I already think he's amongst the top 10 edge rushers in the league and will probably be higher you know, the more we watch them. Uh, one of the you know, versatile key component to that team. Hopefully they can keep Ingram on the opposite side of them. Uh, but Bosa's a superstar. No problem with that whatsoever. Um, I do have a problem with Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I get Dak Prescott was great. I'm not taking anything away from him. And I am a believer as well that any tie should go to the quarterback because quarterback's jobs are more important and more difficult. And he was phenomenal, you know, and he was not just a quote product of the system. Sure. The system helped him, but it kind of reminded me of Russell Wilson's rookie year where the more and more as the season went on is fed him more and more. And he digested it and, you know, did really good things with no matter what you put on his plate. So I'm, I'm very much a Prescott believer more so for sure than earlier in the season. But I don't know how you don't give it to Elliott. I mean, Elliott led the league in rushing by a wide margin and didn't play week week 17. I mean, Prescott's a good player. Elliott's already, to me, an elite running back in this league. Um, again, I have all respect in the world for Dak Prescott, but to me that's an easy decision to give that one to Elliott, and I can't believe that didn't go down. Oh, well. Okay, now let's talk Hall of Famers. One of my favorite conversations, really, and I always feel bad because some of it's negative, and these guys are all so great. I mean, to say, boy, he's not quite a Hall of Famer, or this guy deserves it more than this guy, I think you can look at it and say, Matt, I mean, come on, how could you say that about Terrell Davis or Morton Anderson or whoever? I respect all their greatness, but, you know, we're cutting hairs here, and, you know, Somebody has to get in. Somebody has to get out. I mean, I think that this class overall, I don't have a lot of problem with. And if you haven't heard, it's LaDainian Tomlinson. It's Morton Anderson. It's Terrell Davis. It's Jason Taylor. Kurt Warner. Jerry Jones. Kenny Easley. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how they do this, but this is how I would do it. I know that Jones is a contributor. He is, you know, there's one, two, three, four, five, six players and a contributor amongst these. So seven guys are getting in. Um, so he's different. You know, he doesn't, he wasn't battling 
TD and Jason Taylor for a spot. Um, how I would do it, and I'm pretty sure this, hundred almost 100% sure this is how it goes. A coach, though, does battle players. See, like I would do it where you get six players every year like they do, and I would put one non-player. They call it a contributor now. But I would lump coaches with them, too. Anyone that didn't play. The best equipment manager of all time. Obviously, that's not going to get in. But I'm talking owners. I'm talking coaches. I'm talking commissioners. Those type of things. But right now, I think commissioners and owners and contributors, quote, are their own category where coaches, like I keep pushing for Don Coriel, and he's have a tough time beating out Terrell Davis or Jason Taylor. You know what I mean? But if, if you put in one of those contributors, guys that wasn't doesn't get there for what they did on the field, um, I think that would be a better system. Just tweaking it. Tomlinson's in a very, very easy one. To me, he's clearly the easiest one on this list. Um, this is going to sound terrible, but the other five, Morton Anderson, Terrell Davis, Jason Taylor, Kurt Warner, Kenny Easley, is a bad Hall of Fame class. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that sounds terrible. And again, these guys are awesome. They're fantastic players. I'm sure you guys are out there with your Jason Taylor jerseys going, shut the hell up, Matt. Um, but of classes that go in, those five to me are all very borderline. Morton Anderson, Terrell Davis, Jason Taylor, Kurt Warner, Kenny Easley. Easley's the one I remember the least, but loved him as a kid, and I remember him being a fantastic player. Obviously, I was born in 1973. I was not exactly at the height of my scouting prowess back then, um, but loved the way he played the game. You know, Seattle was a new team kind of when he got there, which is amazing. Shows how old I am and old he is. Um, and maybe it would have done him a lot better good if he would have been in a different market at that time. But absolutely a difference maker. But to me, he's still a borderline safety Hall of Famer. I voted. For, I would have voted for Warner, and I would have voted for him last year. Whenever I told you my six, I thought he was... I think he's a right at the bottom of the barrel. I know it sounds so bad. I mean, this is ugliest girl to beauty pageant type of thing. But I think he's like the, the waterline for me of what a Hall of Fame quarterback is. So... I think he should be the worst Hall of Fame quarterback. Again, that sounds so bad. But I think he deserves it to get in, but just falls over the fence. Jason Taylor, to me, is about the same as an edge rusher. Uh, he actually grew up here. He went to Woodland Hills High School, went to Akron, where I was the director of football operations. He came to Akron during that time. I was there twice. If you've never seen this guy in person, it's jaw-dropping. I mean, he looks like a Greek statue. He looks like exactly how you would want somebody to draw up to play football. He's pretty. I mean, I'm just telling you, he's a good-looking man, and he is a beast. And, again, I think he's really good. Um, to me, like him and Kevin Green, last year's edge rusher, really, really good. Really right on the fence for me. I mean, whenever I'm thinking about the best edge rushers of this generation his name doesn't jump off the page to me. I mean, he's certainly not Derek Thomas or Lawrence Taylor or Bruce Smith or, you know. So, I mean, I think he's really, really good, but a borderline guy. Terrell Davis, to me, is what I said about Kurt Warner of, here's the fence. On the right side of the fence, you just fall into the Hall of Fame. On the left side of the fence, you just fall out of the Hall of Fame. TD would just fall out of the Hall of Fame to me. You know, I... I think Bettis and Martin are your worst, quote, running backs in the in the Hall of Fame, at least lately. 
I would take both those guys off Davis over Davis on a given Sunday or their career accomplishments. Again, great player. I'm not bashing him. Great player. Um, here's been my thought all along on Morton Anderson. And first of all, Tomlinson's easy. I, I told you that. But, you know, he's easy. I think Jerry Jones is easy. You know, he's done a ton for the game. He's made a lot of money. He's won a lot of games. He's got Super Bowl trophies. Um, maybe he meddled too much in what could have been as good of a uh, dynasty as, you know, the Steelers or Packers or whatever. Uh, and maybe if he'd have kept his nose out of things, they would have won more. Who knows? Between him and Jim, you know, Jimmy Johnson. But that was a dominant team. He's made a huge impact on the sport. So I have no problem whatsoever with Jerry Jones going in. And Tomlinson, again, is an easy one. I mean, maybe over the offseason, I'll do a list of my top 10 running backs all time. He'll certainly be on that list. Terrell Davis won't be. Um, I've been saying this for years about Morton Anderson. If you ask me the question, is does Morton Anderson deserve to be in the Hall of Fame I say yes. Absolutely the premium at his position. And kickers are important. And then, but, that's not really how it works. Would I vote Morton Anderson in over guys that didn't make it? No. (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, no. Terrell Owens or Morton Anderson? Uh, No. I mean, so... For him to get in, I don't know how it would happen. I mean, I guess it helps that this is a, quote, crappy Hall of Fame class with the exception of Tomlinson. I'm the only one that's ever said that. No one ever says those things. Um, but to me, there was many more deserving guys that deserve that spot than Morton Anderson. Again, no problem with him. Does he deserve to be a Hall of Famer? Yes. But if I can only vote for six, I don't know that he's ever going to be in my six. <laughs> um, so that's that. So just to put a bow on this podcast, so these are the guys that were finalists that did not get in. I'll just go through them one. Morton Anderson did get in. Bruce Isaac Bruce did not. Tony Baselli did not. One of my favorites, Don Coriel, did not. Terrell Davis did. Brian Dawkins did not. Alan Fanica did. And I'm not going to just talk Steeler Homer, but I think he's an easy Hall of Famer. I think he's one of the best guards of all time and is certainly deserving more than three or four of the guys that got in. Joe Jacoby did not. Ty Law did not. John Lynch did not, but just got a new job. Kevin Mawai did not. T.O. did not, which is absolutely insane to me. I have heard the argument that he did his teams as much harm as he did good. Um, I mean, I get that he wasn't popular and they wanted to ship him out of town and all those things, but damn. I mean, he's one of the best wide receivers that ever played the game he's got to be a Hall of Famer. And the other thing, of course, is these these voters will... You can't get in on your first... You can't get in on your first ballot. You know, so maybe he just gets in next year and they all realize um, his numbers and what he did on the field is very, very deserving. Um, so if it goes another year, then I'll really get on the, the soapbox. And it's a stupid little thing that they do that... Yeah, we like you, but sorry, you're not a first ballot guy. You know, it's kind of the high society nonsense. But anyways, um, the other thing that hurts T.O., I just want to mention this super quick, is whenever somebody gets brought up for Hall of Fame, it's a local writer. I'll use Steelers, for example. Dermani Dawson was a Steeler his whole life, so Ed Bouchette, the local guy, goes in front of his peers and talks about Dermani Dawson. Well, that was easy back in the day. Bob Lilly was a Cowboys guy. You know, I mean, Brett Favre was the Packers dude. You know, I mean, and 
but as the game changes, some of these Hall of Famers have changed teams quite a bit. Like the Danny Tomlinson, I'm sure, was a Chargers guy. You know, I mean, obviously Anderson was a Saints guy, even though they played other teams. But T.O., what guy is standing on a soapbox selling his story? Is it the Niners guy? I mean, he wasn't there very long. You know, I mean, it's Cowboys dude. Is it the Eagles dude? So I do think that hurts people. I think it hurt Charles Haley for a little while too. Like who's, and not to mention he's a strange dude. And same with T.O. and Disruptive. And I get all that. But I, I also wonder just how the process works. Who's the one in his corner? If you've changed teams a lot, and obviously that says something about you too. If you're not super desirable to keep on a team, should he be a Hall of Famer? I just think is an easy Hall of Famer because few have done it better. All right, tomorrow's Twitter Thursday. Get him in. I already got one or two early ones this week. You guys are jumping on it. I like it. We're growing. Things are good. Over and out.